It's time for Love Talk with the loveliness, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love Talk today with a very special guest all the way from D.C. about love in these trying times. Thanks, Kathy. This is Evelyn Davison. We are in studio today, and we're going to talk about my favorite subject, love. <laughs> love. And with me today is Sweet Thing. Uh, you know, uh, Carrie, when I look at you, I see myself 25 or 30 years ago. Oh. So eager and filled with it. And, you know, when you get closer to being 90, uh, things change. But your heart sometimes still beats uh, for the things that you want to do and you experience. And so thank you and and uh, for all that you all have done in the last two or three weeks to keep Love Talk going. Oh, so, Miss Evelyn, we're so glad to see you in studio today. What an absolute treat. And welcome, friends, to Love Talk. We are so grateful and so thankful that you have taken the time today <laughs> to spend with the love ladies. And I feel like I've got two uh, babies, uh, you know, not that you're babies, but two that I just got to pray for and, and help and keep Because two or three times in the last month, I thought, well, I'm going to call it quits and stay home. And then I'd, Van and I'd pray over it. And he'd say, just wait a minute. You know, we're, it's, you're going to get better. And it, when it came, it came overnight. You know, I have two holes in my stomach, and they took care of the first one, which was smaller. And so, I'll and she to... feels great and looks great, <laughs> listening friends. Look at listen to that laugh. Yeah, we I know, and we've had the phones. Are you dying? Or are you going to live? And I said, I don't know yet. It doesn't make any difference. <laughs> oh, Miss Evelyn. That's... But you know what? The Lord has a call on our life, and He has us so committed to Him. That we're going to be really, really busy this first part of of the year. I tell you what, God's not finished with you yet, Miss Evelyn, mm-hmm. and that is very, very evident. You still have kingdom work to do. Well. N- I'm so glad to see you today, Miss Evelyn, and we want to say a big welcome to Kathy Enderbrock. Hey, Kath, welcome. Hey, Coach Carrie. Hey, Miss Evelyn. It's wonderful to be with you guys this morning and uh, just streamyarding in from the beautiful state of Idaho here in Boise. Mm. And we're going to have one more guest join us today from Washington, D.C. A lot happened yesterday in our nation's capital. We're going to have an opportunity to, to discuss that. You know, it's, it's a beautiful time in Texas. Texas. I love these uh, winter months in Texas when it gets a little bit cooler. We get a nice break from the heat. It's gorgeous up here in Boise, Idaho as well. We're getting a little bit of skiing up here. Oh, so fun. I, I'm always so envious of that, Kathy, when you say that on air, <clears throat> that you've been skiing. That's so great. So yeah, great. well, I don't have to get in a car and drive for 14 hours to get to Colorado to go. I literally mm. jump in, and in an hour, I'm literally on the slopes, an hour from my doorstep to uh, skis on the snow. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited about our program today, ladies. We're talking about decisions that matter. And some of our listeners may remember that last year in 2020, we did a decisions series mm-hmm. in the spring. And we thought that we'd reflect back on that because every new year brings uh, new decisions to make. And in our decisions, every decision does matter. And, when you know, when I think about decisions, I think, you know, big decisions, that they're easier to recognize as significant. But I think even small decisions can add up to huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I love this scripture 
that God tells us, he says, in all our ways, we are to acknowledge him and he will make our paths straight. And I think in all decisions, big and small, we need to be acknowledging God and relying on him for wisdom and making the right decision. It it can be challenging, but I tell you, even, even more challenging than that, I think, is when other people's decisions have an impact on us that, that we don't like, that we don't agree with. What then? What then? What when, what about when we make a decision, but someone else makes a decision that's not in line with us, yet it impacts us all the more? And so we do have a special guest from Washington, D.C., calling in today to discuss some of the decisions that have been made this week in our nation and in our nation's capital, how those decisions impact us and how we as a church need to be responding moving forward. And um, listening, friends, we will have him in our middle segment and then in our closing segment, Miss Evelyn and Carrie and I are going to discuss how we go about making decisions decisions that matter and what scripture we turn to most for direction and consideration. Absolutely. Thank you, Kathy. You know, this week has been a crazy week. Um, we all, I think, moved into 2021 and we're like, okay, shoo, 2020 is over. And now we've had, I don't know, eight, nine days in 2021. And um, wow, it, it has been crazy and thought provoking. And honestly, it's kind of really allowed me and helped me to go back to scripture and to recenter because sometimes what we think is right or sometimes what we what we want to stand for you know it we we have to take a step back and and reexamine and you know friends this week we've seen things in our nation's capital that have been disturbing um, and thought-provoking. And if nothing else, my prayer for you is that you would step back. We would all. I mean, it's caused me to step back and examine Mm -hmm. exactly who I am and what I stand for and why. And I think that's a really important question to to, questions to answer is who I am, what do I stand for, and, and why, and why. And what we have to remember is that the enemy of Easter, as Miss Evelyn always says, has many, many arrows in his quiver. And every single one of those arrows has the same intent. It's to divide and cause us to, to do things that we normally wouldn't do. And so we have to be very careful as we walk through 2021 to understand that these arrows that are meant to divide, we have to recognize those. And the way that we recognize those, Kathy, is to stay in the word and make sure that we understand what God's will for us is. Well, and I love that because if you go to our Love Talk Network site, you say that, you know, you can see that we we are about being in the word and with the word. And and we want we want to share about the word and the impact that the word has in our life. And and by the word, we mean uh, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. I mean, Christ impacts not only our our eternity, but he impacts our present in every 
single way. He not only gives us victory for eternity, he gives us victory for the present. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why we're able to have peace in the battle. That's why we're able to even see that a battle is raging and that he has placed us right in the middle of it for such a time as this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, Miss Evelyn, like you said, we, we always want to, to, to talk love here on Love Talk. And we never want to be like this downer, right? But there is time. There, there is a time, Miss Evelyn, where we have to step back and reflect. We do that. And you know how you do it, where you go to do it, you go to the cross. Mm. You go to the cross. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Mm-hmm. And have it abundant. So we have to be very, very careful as Christians that we uh, keep in mind and in favor uh, about going out and being an ambassador for Christ. I thought about that a lot when I was a, uh, when I was growing up. I didn't come from a Christian family, and I thought, what is it God's got that my dad can't buy and protect us with? Mm. You know, there is no way. Of course, in those days, we didn't have the the communication things that we have now. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine what a child, uh, maybe a 12-year-old, is thinking today when if he's watched anything or she's watched anything on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like being in World War II. You don't know where the enemy is, and you don't know where to go to be safe. And so we've really got to pray. We've got to pray and seek God's plan for this as Christians. And for those that are not, you know, it is, we are responsible for our nation and that we are, we have taken that time, uh, that, that truly, uh, walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, we can be afraid. I'm sure there were times that Jesus stopped and cried. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to think about this. What is it God wants me to do if an opportunity comes up? And one of the things that we're doing, Kathy, as you well know, is sometime before the the first, the 15th of March, we're going to the Texas Capitol and call on every representative and every senator and give them a copy of our new book. Uh, we did that in Washington, D.C. Kathy, and you might want to give us a little summary of how important it was to be there on site doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was an incredible and life-changing experience for uh Every single person on that team, you know, we had about 26 uh, prayer leaders from across the nation go to Washington, D.C. and visit every single uh, U.S. representative and U.S. senator's office and pray with them, pray with their staff. And uh, we left them the the gift praying and praising across America. And it was uh, we could not believe how well received we were and and um how much our presence was really desired and one of the one of the senators said you know we you have to understand we don't need your prayers we are desperate for your mm-hmm. prayers mm-hmm. and that was a huge wake up call so i'm just looking forward to being able to go to the us or to the uh, texas state capitol and do the same thing mm-hmm. for them and you know friends if you want to join us uh you can contact us on the love line and uh and 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 let us know and we can add you on the list and and get you in the loop on that and it it's been such an incredible thing miss evelyn and i i wanted to share that we have to remember 
we're only two weeks out from Christmas, yeah. and at Christmas, mm. it's easy to understand love and and being the light that that Christ has has been for us and that He's called us to be. But we need to remember not to abandon that principle of being that Christmas light as we step out in the world to illuminate our families, our cities, our nation, and and stand for truth and live out the life of Christ in this world. Well, you know, Kathy, that is so true. And the, the number one problem is so many of us don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. We really don't know how to take hold of the, of the heart of the Lord Jesus. And uh, we have the, so many of the phone calls that, that I take, Van takes some, are men from Love Talk. Uh, and, you know, it's always interesting to see what they they think their greatest need is to be um, loved and focused and able to do all the things that a good man would do. When really you have to start at the foot of Jesus mm-hmm. at the cross mm-hmm. and ask him in in the life of me, what is it that I you've given me that I need to give away? Mm. And so often it's time. It is, it is time. Uh, we are responsible for our nation, you know, just like Israel was. Uh, we have got to be in, in tune with uh, what it is that God wants us to do individually. And, of course, for us, it's Love Talk on Saturday. And mm-hmm. uh, through the years, as we've done that, and we're celebrating, I think, uh, 36 or 37 36 years. 36 <laughs> years this year, Miss Evelyn. 36 Years of love talk. Well, you know, it has been uh, with most of us been with Jean. Uh, I first met Jean um, Bender uh, down on 11th Street. <laughs> there was a little radio station there that some friends of ours was running, and we went in and had taken an umbrella on Saturday uh, because it, if it rained, you know, you got wet. <laughs> At the station. At the station, (laughs) And I think back to so many opportunities that I have had and my husband has had uh, to really serve in a way that could make, could draw people to the loving ministry of the Lord Jesus. Well, and I think those words are so uh, uh, unbelievably timely, Miss Evelyn. You know... Drawing people to the face of Jesus has never been more important than it is right now today in our nation. And showing people the love of Jesus is of utmost importance. Mm -hmm. You know, this week... It sickened me to see people doing things in the name of Jesus and waving a Jesus flag that mm-hmm. our Savior would not condone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, we again, we have to be very, very careful to be in the Scripture and to understand what that will for our lives, what God's will for our lives are. Friends, we have to take a break. When we return to Love Talk, we'll run straight to Washington, D.C. with our special guest, uh, Greg Cox. You will not want to miss this as he is boots on the ground there, right there in D.C. in our nation's capital. And we will hear from them, from from Greg, Dr. Greg Cox, right after these messages from our sponsors right here on Love Talk. 
And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk. Thank you for joining us here on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin, 101.1 FM and 1120 AM, Central Texas Christian Talk. Friends, we are building bridges of love and leadership in this nation, in this state, and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We are talking about decisions that matter. Our decisions matter. And we have a special guest on with us today uh, because making decisions can be very challenging, but even more challenging is when other people's decisions have an impact on us that we do not like and we disagree with. There have been some decisions made in our nation and in our nation's capital this week and specifically yesterday, and uh, we have some boots on the ground. Uh, Reverend Gregory Fox, who uh, is having, he has completed his doctoral studies in political science. He's going to be talking with us about what happened in Washington, D.C yesterday, how it impacts us, what we can do as a church moving forward. And I want to give him a brief introduction here. He is lead missionary for Faith and Liberty in Washington, D.C. He's the Vice President of Constituency Affairs for the Liberty Council. He's a minister of the gospel for over 30 years. He has founded and led successful churches, reaching communities of people of diverse racial, social, and financial backgrounds. And as founder and president of his consulting company, Greg has assisted numerous nonprofits in leadership, constituency development, parliamentary law, and procedure, which I found very interesting. He has also served on the board of directors for several organizations at the local, state, and national level, and he was a registered lobbyist in the U.S. House of Representatives and in the Senate. So he has a very interesting and inside take on what's been going on in our nation's capital. He and his wife, Bonnie, have three children and eight grandchildren, so he is a busy man. Uh, Welcome, Reverend Gregory Cox. Thank you. It's a delight to be with you today. Well, it is great to have you here. It's important that we have you here. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We know that, uh, that you're there in Washington, D.C. Now, Miss Evelyn, you always like to start with a question for our guest um, so that we can get to know them a little bit better. Uh, can, can you give us a picture, a word picture, of what Jesus did in your life when you came to realize that he was the Savior and you needed help? Absolutely. I, uh, of course, I grew up in the church, and um, uh, we used to say we cut our teeth on the back of a church pew. So uh, I was always very familiar with church life and with the uh, inner workings of the church. Uh, as a college student, like about 70% of our evangelical youth today, uh, in college I drifted from my faith and uh, embraced ideas and, and, and behaviors that were not consistent with what I had been raised to uh, embrace as a child until I came to a point where I just felt my life was meaningless. It was empty. I just didn't, I didn't have that sense of personal destiny, that sense of personal fulfillment and uh, that I had really craved. And one uh, hot summer's night in August of 1969, I uh, attended a church service and had just a remarkable encounter with the Lord that was life-transforming. And in that encounter, I sensed uh, the the Holy Spirit speaking to me that uh, there was a call upon my life and that I would never really be fulfilled or satisfied in life until I had uh, pursued that calling. And have spent the last four decades 
uh, striving to be faithful to that that heavenly summons, that that calling that uh, God placed upon me as a uh, young man. That is incredibly interesting. And so you have been fulfilling that call since that day in 1969. And now how did you end up in Washington, D.C., Greg? Well, that's a long story. I I pastored uh, (laughs) longer than we actually have time for. But I I, uh, pastored for many, many years. And uh, I became concerned in the 80s. I I was associated with a number of uh, close friends and became concerned about uh, the direction that our nation was moving. Uh, Very concerned about the sanctity of human life and the devaluing of human life as a result of the tragic Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. Mm and began to get more actively engaged, more actively involved in national matters and national issues. And uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the early 2000s, I came to a place where I had the opportunity to tie into uh, a couple of national organizations to begin to work with them. And I just, I just sensed that uh, for a season at least, my, my, uh, my ministry as a pastor uh, was going to give way to a more national, stage and that uh, I should be more involved in actually pursuing uh, public policy and the things that uh, our nation was engaged in and striving to call our nation back to God, striving to uh, remind us all that there is a transcendent law to which we are all accountable. And uh, we often kid about the fact that in Washington, D.C., it's not that members of Congress don't believe that there is a God. Uh, it's that they believe they are God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just had a, a, a greater sense of the need, a, a, an urgency to remind them that, no, they are actually not. Uh, the psalmist said that the Lord spoke and said, I've established my king on my holy hill. And uh, we need to be reminded continually, including those in positions of power in America, that uh, that we are all accountable to a higher authority, all accountable to a higher law. And so I, I got involved with these national organizations, and eventually it led me to uh, the role that I play now, both as a uh, vice president at Liberty Council and as the lead missionary for Faith and Liberty. I've been involved with Faith and Liberty for about 25 years, and uh, uh Last a couple of years ago, they became a part a part of Liberty Council, and as such, uh, I stepped in and assumed leadership for the ministry, and now serve as the uh, lead missionary. Well, Greg, we really appreciate uh, your being attentive to where the Lord is calling and being able to uh, be willing to kind of step out in service and go and pursue that. You know, something we really want to get your views on what's what has kind of transpired yesterday and, and where we are at. I mean, yesterday in our nation's capital, we saw leaders uh, making decisions that really matter for the future. We've, we've been discussing a little bit on, on Love Talk. We're not really a political uh, leaning. We, we want to talk about love and building bridges and leadership and what God has called us right. to. And, and we can see over and over again in Scripture where he really does put a smack dab in the middle of uh, civil situations that, that he wants us to get involved and be present in culture, be in the world and um, have an, have an impact. And so we see that, um, you know, and, and, and many people, not just not just me, but many people do see this time in our nation as very, as one of the most pivotal times in, uh, in our nation's history that 
we are literally at a crossroads between democratic capitalism and hardline socialism. And, and the choice in this presidential election was clear as ever. And, uh, and, and we got to go and make a decision and, and cast our vote. Yet we have seen so much physical, statistical, and testimonial evidence of fraud in this election that it's overwhelming. And, and I don't say that lightly. I mean, I have actually gone, I've walked through the, the affidavits. I've looked through the personally looked through the forensic evidence. Mm-hmm. I've watched the videos. I, you know, I've spent the hours reading through all the, the legal documents that, you know, take me two and three times to read through to really be able to understand. And, and I mean, you can see the the evidence is there. It is overwhelming. And uh, we've seen state constitutions broken. We've seen state legislators completely be uh, disregarded. We've seen election law broken. We've seen election processes disregarded. Um, Yet the mainstream media refused to cover the fraud. The court system refused to hear the cases. The state legislators were slow to respond. And we witnessed a problem falling on the shoulders of our U.S. legislators. U.S. legislators and and vice president, do you think anything could have prepared them for such a time as this? Well, normally um, these are rather pro forma actions Mm -hmm. that uh, would not merit a great deal of attention. But because of the uh, controversy associated with the way this process unfolded in the United States, uh, it became a a center of attention. And you're right. If you read Peter Navarro's uh, report on uh, what happened within the election, there there is doubt that uh, serious, serious issues are uh, associated with this entire process, Uh, beginning with the fact that election laws were violated, that you have a uh, a, a executive agent and uh, and uh, state courts making determinations about election law that belong in the hands of the legislators. And if they acted illegally, then the results should also be considered uh, illegal or illegitimate. Uh, and if the, you hear a lot about all of the courts tossing these things out, but very few of the cases were actually considered on the merits of the case itself. Most mm-hmm. of these things were procedural technicalities, and uh, whether it had to do with standing or, or something like that, so the real um, merits of fraud, in spite of the mainstream media narrative, have never really been looked at in a substantial way. And uh, what was what was hoping to have occurred yesterday was that the uh, the uh, members of Congress would call for I think Ted Cruz was calling for a fifth, fifteen member commission who would spend uh, the next ten days really looking seriously at what happened. Unfortunately, while they were prepared for that conversation. Nothing could have prepared them for what transpired. Uh, nothing could have in any way uh, given them any indication. I've been, I participated in rallies across the country. Never in my life would I have imagined that what happened yesterday would have unfolded. Uh, and the vast preponderance, the vast preponderance of the people who were there were, uh, were freedom-loving Americans who wanted nothing more than to preserve the integrity of our election process, without which the American constitutional republic is not possible. We have to be able to believe in the integrity of the elections and and the, the legitimacy of the people that we give consent to govern us. Without that, then a democracy as we know and practice it would not be possible. Uh, so uh, what happened ultimately uh, interrupted that process and uh, resulted in... Uh, 
I, I think the undermining of uh, many of the uh, things that have been of great concern to all of us uh, because people were so shocked at this uh, uh, invasion, if you will, this uh, uh, on the U.S. Capitol building that it, all of the other conversations were set aside. So, mm-hmm. so uh, it, it, there's just nothing that could have in any way we could have caused them or, or enabled them to anticipate what might what actually happened on the cap in, at the Capitol grounds? You know, you know, Greg. I, the the biggest lesson that I took away is that when we make decisions, we need to be very careful about who we're following. Because when I saw all of the still shots of who was at the front of that crowd, um, you know, banging on the doors and and um, engaging the the police, they were wearing communist tattoos, sickles. Right. Those were not. The Proud yes. Boys. Like, I've seen tons of pictures of the Proud Boys. I'm like, they look nothing like the Proud Boys. Those do not look like – what they look like is all the Antifa and and uh, and uh, BLM rioters that I've seen, you know, covered in those types of communist hats over the last year. And I know that Proud Boys were saying, hey, we're going to dress in all black just to kind of not be such easy marks. And I'm thinking, well, gosh, did Antifa and BLM – take the reverse approach and engage in red as agitators. And, you know, but in the end, you did have peaceful ralliers who followed behind them. So we have to be careful when we're making decisions who we're following. But we follow. That's absolutely right. And you're without a doubt, there were agitators, outside agitators who were on the leading edge of that uh, encroachment onto the uh, Capitol building. Uh, There are, pictures that are readily available to people that clearly demonstrate that some of these folks were Antifa. Uh, they have been seen both yesterday at the at the uh, rally there and then previous pictures of them engaged in other uh, uh, social upheavals uh, around the country. So uh, there were outside agitators whose entire intent was to create chaos and mm-hmm. for many of them, who were from the outside, their goal was to not only create chaos, but ultimately have the blame for that chaos be laid upon mm-hmm. the Trump supporters. Greg, uh, do yeah. you think this is going to move itself into our churches? What are we going I'm to saying, do? What is the best thing we can do today? I, I'm sorry, I didn't understand your question. Do you think that this is going to move into our churches today? This, uh, what happened yesterday, and, and how how the mm, the nation is going to respond to this? The people that love God, and and you know, what is the sense right now in D.C. for us to be praying about? Well, I I think uh, as to whether or not it is it's going to. Uh, penetrate churches, uh, I think that Kathy has stated something that is uh, a warning to all of us, and that has to do with who we follow. Mm -hmm. Even in in terms of our political engagement, who it is that calls us, who it is that we serve, and what it is that guides us. It's the Word of God that guides us. We build our lives upon the Word of God. And, uh, and, And all of our actions, whether they are civil or spiritual or whatever it is that we do, all of our actions have to be rooted in our understanding of the principles of the kingdom of God and how God leads his people 
and uh, what he calls us to do. Uh, I, I can't help but be reminded in terms of what our responsibilities are as a church. I, I'm always reminded of Esther when uh, the, the nation of Israel was so uh, uh, threatened and uh, and Haman had determined that he was going to eradicate the people of God. And Mordecai came to Esther and challenged her. And uh, Esther's response to that, I think, is instructive for all of us. She said, I am going to pray. Mm -hmm. And then she said, then I'm going to go before the king. And what that ultimately means to each of us is that we need to seek the face of God, but we also need to engage. We can't just say we're going to rely solely on prayer, nor can we say that we're going to rely solely on political engagement. Mm -hmm. It can't be it can't be one or the other. It has to be a both and experience. And uh, I am I'm really, really encouraged, actually, today, because I have seen across the nation and I know this really sort of goes beyond our subject of conversation. But I've seen across the nation principled pastors who have courageously stood up to statism and to authoritarianism and said that we are not going to allow the state to dictate who can attend our church, when we will hold our services, what our services are going to look like. And I think that's so vitally important. Uh, Judge for yourselves whether it's to obey God or men. We are going to obey the Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm so uh, encouraged to see uh, pastors who are willing to stand up and say that we are going to be faithful to the heavenly calling. We're going to be faithful to the divine summons. We're going to do what God has called us to do. And I think every believer needs to, to, to do that very same thing. We need to recognize that we are salt and light in the earth. We are called to be engaged we pray, we seek the face of God, we involve ourselves in in the culture around us, and we trust God for the results. And uh, so is it creeping into the church? Uh, without a doubt, it certainly is. If you, if you look at the Pew uh, studies, you'll discover that uh, many of the philosophies, even as, the, as it, as it uh, relates to same-sex marriage or as it relates to uh, the sanctity of human life, that in many of the churches, that uh, the churches are reflective of the cultural positions. And that's tragic. That's tragic. But there is also a growing tide of churches who are resisting that and are saying that, uh, as Joshua said, well, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So in that regard, uh, whatever may be creeping into the church, I believe that God is raising up a standard against it. Well, and you know, something you say that, you know, you are encouraged, something that uh, in 2020 that so encouraged me, you know, retailers reported uh, just historical highs in Bible sales uh, between the months of April and I think it was October of 2020, their Bible sales just skyrocketed, which you know, I think it tells me people are really hungry for the word and especially trying to seek and find um, answers during mm-hmm. this time. And, you know, I believe, you know, I have seen more people turn to prayer. I've, I personally have been a part of more uh, prayer groups mm-hmm. on a weekly basis within the last uh, five to six months than I had probably in the previous five to six years. I mean, it just, you know, even personally, I've gotten refreshed and revived. And I think we are seeing over the nation, across the nation, that the church is starting to wake up. Um, and we realize there is this need for unity. I mean, Greg, do you, in your opinion, how important is unity and, and how do we even get there? Well, that's the age old question, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, the, the reality is, if ever there was a time where the church needed to stand together, it is now. And we are seeing that. For a long period of time, 
I think uh, ever since Roe v. Wade, one of the things that brought the church together was our fight for the sanctity of human life, where uh, a, a number of different uh, religious boundaries uh, or denominational boundaries gave way to a sense of unified need to stand for the sanctity of life and to end the Holocaust in America. Uh, with what's happening right now, I, I think you're going to see an even bur more burgeoning uh, commitment of people across denominational uh, boundaries to stand together. For instance, in terms of uh, uh, what challenges we may face as a church, uh, with the changes in government, there's a very possibility now that H.R. Uh, 5, what's known as H.R. 5, or the so-called Equality Act, will become the law of the land. And if it does, that within the context of that law, it expressly states that the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is not a defense. Uh, that means that um, churches will have to comply with the same uh, 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 responsibilities or restrictions, if you will, that uh, that uh, the the LGBT community really wants to impose upon them. So, uh, just like you couldn't make a you couldn't have separate bathrooms based on race, you wouldn't be able to have separate bathrooms based on gender. Uh, you wouldn't be able to, uh, as a church. Uh, not have someone serving in your church by virtue of the fact that one day they were a man and the next week they came in as a woman. Uh, and if you fired them, you would have an equal rights, uh, uh, equal opportunity lawsuit against you. These are going to be uh, perilous times uh, if this becomes reality in our nation and an existential threat to every Christian university, every Christian college, every Christian institution, every church, every pastor. If ever there was a need uh, for us to stand together, as a united voice, uh, declaring the word of God and uh, standing on the integrity of Scripture. And hey, man, hey, women. <laughs> when the foundations are shaken, when the foundations are shaken, there's a rock upon which they can still stand, and that rock is Christ, and uh, and that that's rooted in the word of God. If ever there was a time to stand together, it's now. I completely agree, Greg. And, you know, today as I was driving into the studio, <clears throat> I was thinking about my children. I have teenagers, and I was thinking about how they're going to navigate these waters moving forward. And um, I, I do a lot of coaching with young people, and so I'm around young people all the time, and I've been so heartened lately by young people who are willing to stand up for Christ. And they're willing to put themselves out there in a world that tells them they're wrong and they're bigoted and they're racist and they're homophobic and they're all the things and say, you know what? I love Jesus and here's why. And here's why. And I'm going to look to him and continue to look to him for my path and my future. And um, I've been so heartened by that. And in the, even now, it's so important for us to realize that the power of our words cannot be underestimated. And I love what you said about not only praying about things, but engaging. Because I think I've been very um, uh, guilty of praying about things and then not engaging because I don't want to muddy the waters. You know, I don't want to, I don't, oh gosh, I don't want to step in there. But now is the time to stand up for what we believe. Now, Greg, we just have less than a minute here. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you would like to share with our listening friends? Uh 
I would say to be to be uh, encouraged again. I, I would say that if you it, just look at what's happening right now with, uh, for instance, Sean Foyt and the worship uh, experiences that are happening across the country. We had Washington D.C. We actually hosted at our ministry center Sean and his entire team as thousands of people, thousands of people gathered on the Washington Mall to cry out to God and to worship Him. Look at the Pittsburgh blessing and what happened as a result of a few people coming together to us uh, to sing the ironic blessing. And out of that, uh, groups across the world gather together to repeat that very same thing. There is a there is a growing spiritual passion uh, because, as we all know, that uh, that uh, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Mm-hmm. So there is a growing spiritual passion that I believe can infect our nation, and uh, we we uh, we we should be encouraged in the Lord and know that. Uh, God's still seated upon the throne. Nothing has caught him by surprise. And uh, we are going to put our faith and our trust and our confidence in him. Wow. You are so right. Uh, Thank you, Greg, so much. Greg Cox, uh, friends, for joining us today from Washington, D.C., the lead missionary for faith and liberty in our nation's capital. We thank you so much for joining us, Greg. Uh, How can our listening friends, real quick, how can they reach you? Uh, www.faithandlibertydc.org and uh, they can uh, go to the website and reach out to us via email and we would be delighted to uh, uh, hear from uh, people and and be able to stand with them and and, and encourage them and pray with them and let them know that our hope is in the Lord and that that's a pretty sure foundation. Don't be discouraged. Don't be alarmed. Don't be distressed that that, uh, God is still in control of these things. So www.faithandlibertydca.org. Thank you very much for the privilege of coming on and chatting with you. Thank you, Greg. All right, listening friends, when we return to Love Talk, we'll wrap up our show on Decisions Matter right after this. And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk. Thank you for joining us today on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin, 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. Friends, if you missed the first segment, the first two segments of our show, you are going to want to go to our archives uh, at lovetalknetwork.com and uh, just listen to that first segment of the show. It was such a pleasure to have uh, Dr. Gregory Cox on, or I, he asked us to refer to him as, as Reverend. Gregory Cox. He has finished all of his PhD in political science, but he is ABD, all but uh, dissertation. So we just really appreciate Reverend Gregory Cox for giving us a perspective on what happened in Washington, D.C. yesterday, Mm. giving us a perspective on the decisions that have been made in this nation and how that impacts us and what we need to be doing as a church moving forward. Um, You know, Coach Carrie, Miss Evelyn, it was, it was, I just thoroughly enjoyed that discussion Mm -hmm. that we had with him this morning, hearing his perspective and getting a word of encouragement from Mm -hmm. him as well, I think made uh, such an, an incredible impact. And, and we have to remember this um, verse from Second Timothy one seven. Yes. It says God gave us a spirit not of fear. fear. Mm-hmm. So, friends, listening, friends, this morning, if I you love. are sitting holding your coffee cup uh, or your cup of tea and fear is just covering you, that is not of God. That is not what God has for you. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So, yes, there is a response to this. Yes, there are are, are a prayers that we need to press into, actions that we need to engage in, but never out of fear. Uh, so we need to remember who we are following, 
because if if we are not following Christ and discerning our steps and and having our steps take the path that Christ would want us to follow where we end up is not going to be a good place. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Coach Carrie, Ms. Evelyn, I want to hear your thoughts on this and everything that we talked about in our second segment. And then I I would love to hear what scripture you two use from God's word when you're making decisions that matter. Well, I'll start, I guess. You know, this week I've just really, my heart's been grieved so much for for just many reasons um and i was led i've never read the book of habakkuk oh but i until i until this week and i you know straight through i'm sure that that there's been scriptures that that i've seen before but it you know it's 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 literally you know three chapters long it's like a page and a half um but here's a deal Habakkuk was really struggling and he went to God and he said, God, why are you so silent while the wicked succeed? And God said, Habakkuk, oh, oh, Habakkuk, as my kids would say, bro, listen, um, I, I am God and I have a plan. And even if I told you that plan, you wouldn't believe it. In fact, in Habakkuk 1.5, he says, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe. Okay, so you know what? That just gave me such hope um, this week as I was a little bit down about about what's been going on. You know, he says, you won't even believe it, Habakkuk. You won't even believe it. When everything around you seems to fail and crumble and shatter and it just looks like things are in disarray and so disheveled, don't you even think that I have given up. Don't you even think that I have abdicated the throne. Don't you even think that I am not in control and that I do not have a plan. I have a plan and I am still on the throne. And that just gave me such peace as um, we look to the future. You know, our hope, friends, is not in a president or a government or a nation. Honestly, our hope is in the Lord. And he is still on his throne. And it's up to me to continue to keep that focus and to keep that faith. So that's where I am, Kathy, right now uh, with all of this. Um, I was just really heartened by that. I love that, Carrie. I, you know, I, I think that that stepping forward under because you know I've I've watched a number of of ministers speak and 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 I and I've heard them say, hey, if if Joe Biden, who is all about killing babies, who is all about removing <laughs> religious liberty, uh, who really has some very extreme socialist views, especially you know Kamala Harris, who even in her role as Attorney General did incredibly illegal things. Uh, I have heard ministers say if they take office on January 20th, we can know without a doubt that God has stepped away from this nation. Mm. And at first I thought, oh, Lord, help us. Oh, please don't step away from this nation. And then I thought, well, hold on. God is in me. So mm-hmm. unless I leave this nation, mm-hmm. um, Christ is still in 
this nation. And I think, okay, all of my brothers and sisters in China and in Iran who are in the underground church, well, Christ is Christ is there. Mm-hmm. It's just that the Christians are not in government. And so then I thought, okay, Lord, so if Christians are in government, then you are in government. If Christians are in uh, organizations, then you are in organizations. And so, I mean, to me, I just saw it as an incredible calling saying, hey, look at what you have chosen, Kathy, to abdicate. Look at what um, the Christian, look at what the church before you has abdicated rather than engaging in society, rather than being in society and in government and and in big business and, uh, you know, outside of the walls of the church. Uh, rather than going and doing that, they they've abdicated that and they've just stayed in their in their in the four walls of their church and 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 they've been influenced by society. So now I see it as very much a calling to say, hey, get up, wake up, um, establish that strong relationship with the Lord, and then go out there and engage. And every person who I share Christ with who becomes a Christian, who receives the Holy Spirit, well, now there's, you know, God is is in that person, moving in that person and in his life and in the life of, of, of his family. And, I mean, I so I very much feel it as a calling rather than a... I agree. Uh, <clears throat> I agree. I, I'm... When I reach a desperation, and that's kind of where I've been the last six months, I go to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, okay. Psalm 91. He said, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that means we are part of his family, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. God's going to protect us. Mm-hmm. It. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, Mm -hmm. my God in whom I trust. Mm -hmm. And I think on our closing note today, we've got to trust God. Go to him. Ask him. Get your notebook. Um, Mm -hmm. I I used this Psalm 91 back um, about 12 years ago when we sent a whole, whole, well, household of soldiers to one of the islands, I, I'm, I'm, I'm my mind's foggy on the details. Yeah, that's okay. <clears throat> and we gave a copy of a of the Bible that had this in it to mm. each one of them and mm-hmm. asked them to do that. Some mm-hmm. of the reports that came back was absolutely outstanding. And one of them was a chaplain that laid his Bible down and was preaching, and suddenly his house, I mean, the plant blew up. Oh, my he, goodness. And he pulled that down and said, God, you're here. Take care of us. So we don't want to forget where God is. You know, I love what you guys say. You know, Miss Evelyn, you said, get a notebook, write it down. Kathy, you said, get up and wake up. And I want us to be very careful here, listening, friends. Um, I have a really good friend named Ginger, and she has a beautiful, beautiful way with words. And this is what she wrote recently, um, kind of as a caution to us. She said, whatever you're screaming about today and you're going to, you know, on online, publicly, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, you're going to run into someone in the grocery store at church who saw your post and remembers what you said about them when you generalized your anger. 
You won't realize this, but they will. Whatever you felt compelled to broadcast from your feed is read by actual people who otherwise would be open. But now that you've insulted or judged them, there's just yet another wall of division. She she goes on to say, I've had this experience, and it made me pause and think about the analogy of opening a bag of feathers and then trying to get them all back into the bag. Productive discussion rarely happens online. So she, you know, she offers, you know, maybe a better way to be would be to pray about it, journal about it, talk about your feelings with a friend. So as we are saying, we need to, as Greg said, Reverend Greg Cox said, engage. Mm -hmm. And Kathy, as you're saying, get up, wake up. And Miss Evelyn, as you're saying, step out and know that God is in control and, you know, write things down in your notebook. I think those are all phenomenal pieces of advice so that we can keep God at the forefront, because I'll say it again, you know, the devil has many, many weapons. Mm -hmm. They just they, they just take different names. And we have to be careful to recognize those names as we proceed. You know, listening friends, we have, holy cow, I, I tell you what, I could sit here for another hour with you guys today, Kathy, Inda Brock, and Evelyn Davison, um, but we simply are out of time. Listening friends, we... we we want to tell you that God is still on the throne and he loves you and he wants a personal relationship with you. We we tell you to find a church that is preaching the gospel of Jesus, that is opening up the word of God and looking for direction from the word of God. We pray, friends, that you'll get on your knees and pray for this nation and that you'll pray for our state and our city and that you will look for direction in the scriptures. Oh, how we love you. For my beautiful friends, Kathy Indebrock and the First Lady of Love, Mrs. Evelyn Davison. I am Coach Carrie Brinkater, and we will see you right here next time on Love Talk. Have a great day.